This message is from the Axis Church, a redeemed community of missionaries living for the fame of the real Jesus. For more information about Jesus or the Axis vision in Nashville, go to theaxischurch.org. Good morning, I'm Jeremy, one of the pastors here at the Axis Church, and I'm excited to spend today our second Advent Sunday here with you. How many people have never formally or communally observed Advent? Would you raise your hand? This is like a new thing for you to experience. A couple of us. Yeah, well, it was new for me before we started the Axis. And uh, in fact, I feel like I learn more and more every year that we progress forward as a church. I love Advent. I love observing it. I love learning more about it. I look forward to it. Part of our hopes over the next couple Sundays as we observe Advent together as a church family is that we'll be uh, placing ourselves intentionally back into the silence of 400 years leading up to Jesus being born. You see, right before uh, the, the arrival of Jesus, there was 400 years, decades, scores of years of silence, where there was no voice from God, no angels, no prophets, nothing for 400 years. Today, we're going to be looking at faithfully waiting, faithfully waiting, even when life hurts, exploring Israel's hopelessness and their hope as they waited, exploring our hopelessness, and our hope as we wait. You know, words that we typically hear this time of year are joy, peace, love. We, we focus on these themes in this season. Yet if we're honest, our hearts are at times more confused during this season than any other. Rather than joy, we have jealousy, anxiety, and confusion rather than peace, tension rather than love. And many things may cause this for each and every one of us. This season brings up different emotions if there's a death of a loved one that's fallen in recent times or around these dates, or divorce, or loneliness. Issues with children might cause a heavy weight during this season. Issues with parents might cause a, a certain weight and tension during this season. Poverty, addiction, resentment, isolation. Jason was right. Things are broken and things are not the way that they should be. Our words get more decorated during this season than even our homes. We fake it because we certainly don't truly feel it. See, the worship of God by the children of Israel was much like this, especially after hundreds of years of silence from the God who supposedly speaks 
Their ancestors said that they heard from God, but they haven't heard from him so much as a word. Smiles, joy, peace, far from it. They wait, they continue, but are they crazy for doing so? Does God care? Does God see? Does he feel? And if so, why not do something? Perhaps this. This is more familiar to you than the polished smiles and joyous carols during the Christmas season. But my question for you today is, do you feel it to be okay to say that? To confess that? To tell God or tell others how you truly feel? What's it look like to wait on the Lord, to wait patiently? What does it look like to faithfully wait even when it hurts? Well, the children of Israel were waiting. They were longing for the arrival of the Messiah, the Christ child. You see, the Messiah was to come and restore and confirm and strengthen and establish them. He was to come be the voice and the strong arm that abolished their enemies. He was going to be the one that was going to make them a nation, a strong, mighty, impenetrable nation. The Messiah was the one who would create peace. He was the one who promised faithfulness and steadfast love forever. Jesus was the one who would be the ultimate fulfillment of the covenants made to their ancestors. However, the children of Israel, the people of God, were becoming increasingly hopeless in the silence. Not a day. Not two days. Not a year. Not a decade. Not a century. Hundreds of years of waiting for their Messiah to show up. It's been years. It's been decades as they wait and long for the Messiah. It's been scores of years since the people of God have heard so much as a whisper from their God. The morale of the people is weakening. It's fading. Imagine what it's like to be in their shoes. Perhaps this is what they spoke and thought like, and I will speak as one of them from Psalm 100. There was a season when King David was present where we sang songs like, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord and do so with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his and we are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. But it's been so long. It's been generations Maybe his steadfast love doesn't last forever. Is that even okay to say? I mean, it's been so quiet for so long. I don't even associate faithful with God anymore. We haven't seen God move. We haven't heard a single word from God at all. Not through his angels, not through his prophets. 
It's as if all we pray or think these days is like Psalm 77. In the day of trouble, yeah, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying, but my soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Selah. God, it's as if you hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. This is in your Bible. I consider the days of old, the years long ago, and I said, let me remember my song in the night. I can't, I can't even remember. Let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart like I used to. Then my spirit made a diligent search. I mean, I thought through this over and over. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Question, has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Selah. Faithfully waiting. Faithfully waiting doesn't mean that you're hypocritically waiting. Saying all the nice and tidy things, but in your heart you feel totally different about things, about God, about life. Faithfully waiting on the return of Christ when he comes to restore all things or when he actually intervenes in your situation. Faithfully waiting on him is crying out to God from your heart, from the depths of your soul, crying out through angst, through pain, through frustration, through brokenness, asking, pleading, begging for deliverance from addiction, anxiety, bondage, loneliness, oppression, sin. If you hear nothing else from me today, hear this. As you wait on the Lord to move in your life, in your family, in your neighborhood, in your home, don't feel like you have to keep it all together and always wear a smile and always have the proper thing to say. Faithfully waiting isn't waiting in such a way that you always have the perfect thing to say or the most theologically accurate thing to say, the theologically polished thing to say. Part of faithfully waiting is waiting in such a way that you're striving to be most honest with God as you wait. Time and time again, as I pastorally counsel people, I hear burdens from them. They speak open and honest with me. And I say, have you told God this? Have you spoken this way with him? No. Why not? When you're shouldering this burden, it's too heavy for you to bear. It actually creates a larger burden when you don't feel like you have someone to actually give this to who can actually do something with it. As you wait on the Lord to move in your life, in your family, in your neighborhood, in your home. As you wait on his return, give yourself permission to be honest and open with God in conversation, in prayer. 
Because the fact is that trying to keep it all together before others and before God in prayer is too heavy a burden. And you are not intended to carry that. Prayer is the only place in the entire world where we can put all things out on the table and it actually be acceptable. It's even expected. In fact, it's what will bring new life, growth, and freedom. Now, to those who have been Christians for a while or raised in the church, you've probably felt pain and angst and confusion before, but have you given yourself permission to speak it, to pray it? Raised in the church, I didn't have that permission. I didn't feel like that was okay. Have you given yourself permission to tell God what you truly, truly feel about life, about yourself, and even about him? Like in Psalm 88. Now, this is the entire psalm. This is the entire psalm. It's 18 verses. This is a song that David, a man after God's own heart, sang, that he wrote, that he sang. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry, for my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to Sheol. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm a man who has no strength. Like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with your waves, Selah. You've caused my companions to shun me. You've made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every single day I call upon you. Oh Lord, I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Selah. Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon, the abyss? Are your wonders known in the darkness I'm in the abyss, I'm in the pit, I'm in the darkness, I'm in the land of forgetfulness. Are your wonders known there? Is your righteousness known in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O oh Lord, I cry to you in the morning, my prayer comes before you. O oh Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me, afflicted and close to death my entire life? From my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I'm helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You've caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My, my companions, my friends have become darkness. And I know them well. Psalm 88. That's in your Bible. But do you give yourselves permission to pray that, to make that a song, 
as we faithfully wait? Do we have room in our theological categories for that sort of honesty? I hope we do. It's not prayer unless it's messy. It's not prayer unless it's desperate. It's not prayer unless it's honest. Remember, remember Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, overwhelmed, weary, and weak, for I will give you rest. Take my yoke. Give me your burden and take, take my burden. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and I am lowly in heart. You will find rest, my friends, for your souls. My yoke, my burden is easy and light. Do you do this, my friends? Can you admit that you're weary and burdened, that you labor heavy laden, needing rest? Do you admit that to others? Do you admit that to God in prayer? Remember, Jesus said that he came for the sick, that he came for the lost. But do you admit that you're needy, that you're sick, that you're lost? Are you open with God in prayer this way? It doesn't shock God when we approach him as needy, sick, undone, anxious, afraid, overwhelmed, and weary. That doesn't surprise him one bit. It's those very ones that he, hit, that he sent his son for. Christmas happened for those people. Jesus was sent by the Father to find such people. Don't pretend to be someone who isn't needy. He came for the needy. Don't pretend to be someone who isn't sick. He came for the sick. Don't pretend to be someone who isn't anxious. He came for the anxious. Jesus, full of grace and truth, was sent by the Father, being fully obedient to the mission. And he worked in such a way that we can boldly and honestly speak with God as we wait faithfully. Remember Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then with confidence and boldness draw near to the throne of grace. There's a throne of grace. Grace. Let us draw near to that throne, the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help. When? In the time of need. But do you admit just how needy you are? Or do you have things pretty much in control? Admit your need. Ask God for self-awareness, for soul awareness. Allow him to teach you just how uncomfortable you really are in this life. Don't hold back from being open and honest with God. Jesus earned that right for you. That is a privilege to be able to boldly, with confidence, approach the throne of grace. That is a privilege. And it was earned for you through the very hard work of Jesus Christ. Don't hold back from being open and honest as you wait for God to move in your life, as you wait for him to come and return and make all things right and new again. 
yeah, we can become hopeless as we anticipate and long for God to return to us, as we wait for God to move in our lives and in our real life situations. We too can drift, much like the children of Israel, we can drift to becoming hopeless in the seemingly silence of days and months and years. But my friends, be comforted knowing that God sees and that God knows. And as I read this morning, God remembers his covenant. And that is in the margin of my reading plan. When I read that, I wrote in the parentheses, that is perhaps the most wonderful truth of all is that he remembers his covenant. Within that covenant is love, mercy, peace, promise. I mean, just he remembers that covenant. He honors that covenant. He's good for it. What he says he'll do, he'll do. Let that be a comfort to you that he remembers the covenant. And he will make good on every single one of his promises, including the promise that he'll be faithful to complete in you and through you what it is that he's created you to do. Even in your mess, even with your mess, even through your mess. We know that God cares for us because of what he sent his son to accomplish for us. Friends and family, Jesus, the promised Messiah has come. He has. And what a joy it was for those shepherds, not the well put together, the polished shepherds, dirty, nasty shepherds to be the ones who heard after 400 years of silence. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who's Christ the Lord. He's come. Our Father is good, and our Father cares. And the Son will return again, perhaps today. Or would that mess up too many plans? Have we gotten too comfortable in our brokenness? Perhaps the reason we don't cry out more often is we're simply too comfortable. Don't grow complacent. Don't be content. Remember, you're soldiers on a foreign field. You're ambassadors from another place. You're on mission. Jesus has done the work for us and asked that we simply believe him. In John chapter 14, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe. Friends, believe. Believe in God. Believe also in me, Jesus says. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, if that weren't true, what I told you that I, that I go away to prepare a place for you? If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I'll take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. One day, the day of the Lord, one day, our Messiah Jesus will arrive again. But I ask you, do you have this hope? Do you have this hope? What does faithfully waiting look like when life hurts? Part of faithfully waiting is being honest with God. It's called prayer. So friends, press into God. Be open and honest with him. Ask him for nearness and for hope. Ask him for salvation. He cares and he hears. Ask him for faith to believe that.
And that's okay to ask. It's okay to admit that you don't feel a lot of his promises, that you don't believe him. Be much like the father who had the sick son. And Jesus said, I'll heal heal your son. And he says, well, come see him and heal him because he wasn't present with him. And Jesus said, I can heal him from here. Go, I'll heal him. Do you believe? And the father looked back at him. Imagine looking at Jesus when he says, do you believe? Looking at Jesus in the eyes with your son's life in the balance. And you look at him and say, I believe, but help my unbelief. Because I'm still struggling with really believing you can do that. I believe, but be with my doubts. Pray this way. Be open with God in prayer. You know, on the night of the arrest of Jesus, he led his 12 disciples to a private room where they shared a meal together. And following this meal, at some point during this evening together, Jesus took some bread and some wine, and he used these to illustrate his atoning work that would be for the salvation of those who hope in him those who trust and believe in Christ Jesus as their Savior and Lord. He said the bread represents his body that he offered up as a sacrifice for our sinful lives. He said that the wine represented his blood that was poured out for the covering of our sin. And this morning, we offer this meal to those of you who are believers and followers of Jesus, the Messiah, for those who hope in him. One of the things I love most about when Jesus was presenting this final supper to his disciples, and it's been passed down to us, is what he said in Matthew 26, 29. He told the disciples this, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus is fasting, waiting for us. Jesus is experiencing Advent. He's waiting and longing for the moment when we're united with him. Then he'll celebrate. When we are with him, then he will experience full joy as his kingdom is fully realized. And I long for that moment. I long for that moment to be able to share this meal with him. So this morning, I ask that as you come and take this communion, that you think to yourself, maybe this will be the last communion here. Come, Lord Jesus. When Jesus does come, when he returns, he'll make all things new and all things right again, and he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. In the meantime, don't be afraid to cry. Don't be afraid to feel. Don't be afraid to cry out to him. It's part of what it means to faithfully wait. Let me pray for us this morning. If you would like special prayer, we've got a family that would love to pray with you over in the back corner. God, I ask that you bless this meal and that you work in our hearts during this time. 